Die Arbeit ist so vor, sie hat eine Autonomie. It can tease you. Her family has been involved in rituals for generations. She is currently in extensive therapy. Sigmund Freud removed that last vestige of what magic was all about. But what's happening right now in America is witchcraft trying to take this country over. Why would we not worship goddess? Why would we not love goddess? We're in trouble, ladies and gentlemen. The clockwork elves, all of it, I shouldn't even get into it. We are putty in the hands of brilliant magicians. Does this function? Good afternoon, evening, and morning, ponies and chargers. Uh, you're listening to 33.3 FM, and we are bringing you something a bit outside the usual wheelhouse today. Torm, what we got this week? We have got a new novel by the inimitable Greg Stolze that he is kickstarting. It is entitled God Cancer, and it is outside of our usual wheelhouse of transcendental humanistic horror and more along the lines of your Lovecraft. But since yes. it is written by our Lord and Master Greg Stolze, we have been charged with reviewing it. Yeah, so we're s switching from transcendental humanistic horror to transcendental inhumanistic horror for change here. All due to our lovely friend, Greg, who has uh, so graciously sent us a copy to the 33.3 FM station, which we have thoroughly combed with all of our usual... Uh, there's no viruses on it. We checked. We checked. There was a copy that came from the station? I just woke up with a manuscript like sitting on my chest and like some bloody footprints leading into my closet. Well, yeah, I mean, that's usually how these things show up, right? The station being the closet that you sleep in, in the station. That's still the station tour. I, well, yes. It's, the station's bigger on the outside than on the inside. I mean, wait, no, the other way around. No, no, it's kind of cramped in here. It's kind of cramped in here. I have read and enjoyed uh, Greg Stolze's previous Lovecrafting work, Mask of the Other. What about you, Tor? Yeah, I read, I read Mask of the Other a long time ago. Um, I really enjoyed that one. And actually. it's a similar sort of feel. It's that same kind of techno thriller come Lovecraft sort of deal. Very Delta Green vibes. You know, if you're going back to the original Lovecraft, who I've heard the argument myself that he, that Lovecraft wrote techno thrillers of his own age, uh, that this is pretty purist. Um, it's riffing on a lot of classic Lovecraft stories, especially at the Mountains of Madness. It's similar in Mask of the Other in that it has more than one story that's kind of dancing from one to another. Uh, this more so in a rather literal fashion than Mask of the Other. Uh, Mask of the Other, if I remember correctly, was just three separate stories. Just chunk, chunk, chunk. There's this one, which they're interspersed with each other. And they, they're going in parallel to each other, yeah, the two yeah. narratives. Um, they kind of dovetail together a bit by the end of things, though a bit less directly than I expected. Uh, I don't want to spoil things too much. More thematically. Yeah, um, exactly. Um, the implication. It's the implication. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, it, it ties in. I'll say this. It ties in. Both conclusions tie in very directly with the title of the 
novel, novella, novellas. I guess I'd call this one novel by structure alone. There's kind of two parallel narratives running here. One of which is, he's not an endocrinologist, right? I forget the exact name for a doctor who specializes in cancer. Um, but uh, Oncologist? Yes, there we go. Um, a oncologist by the name of Dr. Miles Trewick, who is uh, brought on and hired by a... Um, the CEO billionaire. by an eccentric billionaire, the CEO of like some San Francisco fitness startup uh, to treat his cancer uh, and his cancer is pretty weird. And once Miles gets involved, it only gets weirder. Parallel to that, you have the story of an Antarctic expedition focused on one Dr. Gail Pym. Anyone familiar with Lovecraft's Maloo in the slightest knows where this, this is going. This story is a bit more of an ensemble cast, but does focus on Pym a fair amount. Like she's basically the main character of that half but again that one is more ensemble kind of a the thing-esque narrative uh with more traveling of course actually no um i wouldn't compare it to the thing i take that back uh it just happens is it, to is have... it just because it's in an icy environment yeah it's just an ensemble yes it's on it's an ensemble cast in an icy environment um anyone that's read at the mountains of madness roughly knows where that's going but Greg does some fun spins on the topic that um, I appreciated and really expands on it in a way that's really cool and blends in and um, sticks in a bit better with um, how much and the ways that science has progressed in the past uh, century or so since Lovecraft wrote the original story. I agree entirely with what you said. It, it does follow in the Lovecraftian tradition of writing techno thrillers, except it's a lot less racist. Yes, yes. Uh, something that he does actually is uh, that I really liked is the um, Talal bits. You mean? Yeah, I wanted to get the original story. The narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym, which is why well, she's called Gail Pym. Hey. Yep. For the second story, those of you a bit more well-read in Lovecraft know about the Shagas and their whole uh, Tekeli thing. Um, which is... Yes, thank you very much for the demonstration there, Torm. Doesn't originally come from that story. It comes from a Poe story called The Narrative of Arthur Gordon Pym. And uh, that story gets kind of blended in with the, the Mounds of Madness in fun and interesting ways that I dig a lot. I'm always a fan of when, you know, the, all those Cthulhu mythos stories pull from the progenitors and the original influences of even that stuff, you know, pulling from um, Poe and Dunsany and whatnot. I'm a, I'm a big fan of like these sort of techno thriller type stories or just like modern stories that are set in slightly alternate worlds. Yeah. And the inclusion of the Talal Islands and having a modern touched on like the history of the Talal Islands because in the original story they were just like what's his name? Uh, Arthur Savage Gordon Pym. Natives. Savage natives. But that was from the point of view of Arthur Gordon Pym of Nantucket. In this they had a character from there uh, and the country had been colonized decolonized um, and had gone through a lot of political things um, and I, what I liked about it was you could touch on a lot of those issues of you know colonization, decolonization effects on culture and um cultural imperialism from the outside and how and the how lots of bad shit happened during colonization but it's also important not to exoticize cultures because people be people everywhere and people be kind of fucked up and it didn't he did a he did sort of put it in the way that like yeah colonization was bad for the Talal islands but it wasn't a perfect society before then because it was from a fucking Ed Allan Poe novel, obviously. Yeah. But I like the way he presented them, and I wanted more about the Talal Islands, actually. Um, I liked that 
through the Talal Islands in the modern world or like a or like a 15 minutes from now techno thriller version of the modern world. Yeah, I thought that was cool. I just wanted more of it. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, it's kind of funny how we're like, so like both of us run Delta Green. So we're both very like immersed in that whole Lovecraft techno thriller milieu. So we, when you end up with those bits that don't draw directly from Lovecraft, but instead draw directly from fucking Edgar Allan Poe and mix it with the techno thriller, those end up being some of our favorite parts. Yeah, so we go, ooh, what's this? This is new. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, as for the other story, uh, the actual horror for that takes a while to ramp up. It's um, a bit more uh, focused on kind of this schlubby but brilliant doctor hobnobby amongst all these beautiful uh, rich people. Beautiful people, the beautiful people. Oh, man, you're uh, really belting it out this episode, aren't you, Torm? I've had too much coffee. Yeah, that's fair. To the point where, like, a lot of the story is sort of focused on his midlife crisis, essentially. Yeah, which is Um, cool, which is interesting. It it ends up sort of thematically and rather literally dovetailing very well with the Lovecraftian elements that gradually bleed into that story. Actually, I ended up enjoying that half of the book more than the uh, At the Mounds of Madness stuff. Because while Greg, you know, does do a lot of fun, interesting spins of classical mythos material with that end of the story, you know, bring in Lang, bringing in the men of Lang and, and doing some fun stuff with them. Uh, the the one that's about a guy having his midlife crisis while trying to heal a rich man and just being surrounded by beautiful women. Well, just beautiful people in general. The captain of our boat is a beautiful Korean woman who decides to sign bathe naked on the deck for some reason greg stolzy what are you putting in these books <laughs> yeah that half of the book has not one but two sex scenes in it which i was surprised were actually uh pretty damn well written so props to you greg that were good so i was surprised yeah. by that as well i was like hey this yeah. is not that bad yeah no like um probably the best sex scenes i've read in any mythos fiction which is probably not a very high bar but still a bar should be on the front of the novel probably the best sex scenes i've ever read in any mythos novel prank No explanation of who he is. It's just Greg. If you want to put that, Greg, if you want to put that on there, uh, feel free to. I'm I'm happy to have that as the blurb on your new book. Um, Part of it is I just love that sort of high society gossipy bullshit. It's sort of a guilty pleasure of mine, but it's something I haven't seen that much in mythos fiction, and I like it in general, regardless of how many tentacles are involved with it. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed those bits. Um, as well as I enjoyed, I guess, in a bit more of a, um, oh yeah, that's a fun take on it. The spins on the more orthodox Lovecraftian shit and the At the Mounds of Madness. I agree. One bit that did kind of not work for me in the novel was the way that there was dancing between the different halves. It just kind of killed the pacing for me every so often. There were a couple of times when there was like a cliffhanger and one in the one narrative. Sometimes they paid off and Sometimes he was playing with the reader. Yeah, there's one bit in particular that sticks out there, which I don't want to spoil. But yeah, like I get you want to hold on to those cliffhangers because that way the reader always has the other half of the book in mind while they're reading the second story. I honestly probably would have preferred reading this uh, just as two discrete stories. Perhaps. Yeah, they, they both could have worked um, on their own. Yeah. 
Yeah. And honestly, and maybe I shouldn't admit this because this is technically a review copy. There were a couple times when I was like reading the uh, first story about the doctor and was like, you know, I'll skip a I'll skip a chapter ahead here. Go on to the next one. I did end up rereading the story the intended way for my second read through. And I definitely caught some stuff that way of him, the way he was dancing between them. That was a lot of fun. And he was doing some interesting stuff there. But I was on the first read through just a lot more absorbed in all the uh, high society backstabbery mixed with uh, surprisingly good oncology techno babble. This is just like someone who goes through reading A Song of Ice and Fire but only reads the Tyrion and Arya chapters because they like them more. Yeah, I mean, I can't blame those people. It shouldn't be done, but those are fun. They're fun. They're fun. I still liked both stories a great deal. One being more absorbed in the plot and the other being more absorbed in a more conscious fashion. And oh, yeah, that's a fun take on uh, the Elder Things and the, their giant cyclopean structures and all that. What are sort of your uh, ba- main takeaways from this, Torm? I like the setting a lot. I like the writing style. Yeah. No, the dialogue is really good. I, I've the read a lot really of like Lovecraftian pastiches in my in my in my long and dreadful yeah. life, and most of them are pretty terrible, especially with dialogue and characterization. Going back to the big man himself. Yes, but this I was impressed by the writing. I was impressed by the characters, even though like the bits that made me groan, I groaned with pleasure. Uh, that sounds yeah. a bit much, but you know what I mean. Yeah, there is one bit that sticks out to me where it's sort of the um, the doctor gets sort of involved with one of the uh, crew members of the ship. He gets really jealous she kind of gives him a huge this is why you suck speech oh yeah i really appreciate while he's just like bawling his eyes out it was done in a pretty damn good way what elevates this i think is that how it does a lot of the things that lovecraftian fiction tends to disregard like you know good characterization fun dialogue actually having women and minorities in significant roles hell the um at the mounds of madness uh spin the entire crew is woman and he lampshades that but it it doesn't feel awkward or weird at all. It's completely like it's 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 no, yeah. all. So, so some scientists and their their interactions with people at the base camp are also very realistic. Yeah, I like that. I like that kind of setting. I also wanted to see more of like any kind of a horrible Lovecraftian fiction or horror Lovecraftian fiction set in like those kind of Antarctic base camps is also interesting to me as well. Like the bigger ones, not not like the thing, but the ones that are like little towns. I think that's a cool yeah, setting. Yeah. The uh, the excuse they kind of give is well like under stressful situations men tend to be a lot more aggressive than women in a situation like this that's not a good thing one of the big reasons we did this all women expedition was so we don't end up all killing each other uh spoiler it doesn't work well they were under suppression okay they had some other things going on (laughs) it was it was They were going into a dangerous place. It was a bit more than your usual sleep deprivation and uh, performance anxiety. So there's some things when people like they make the arguments about yeah, in, in stressful situations, men are more likely to be violent. But it's all it's it's a yeah. it's a probability game that doesn't mean a group yes, of women on exactly. a scientific expedition into yeah. a exactly. won't go insane and kill each other, which doesn't yeah. happen like that in the story as obviously as I'm putting it but I'm just saying it can happen of course it is still at the mounds of madness there are still mountains in which there is madness yeah there's madness kind of unavoidable and I I did really like the last couple chapters of both stories especially and how they really kind of tied everything together with a nice little uh, be tentacled green bow I did physically go aha I see what you did there (laughs) (laughs) uh 
when when Greg Stolze described the how everything was just the god cancer, I uh, just threw the book into the fireplace and I just threw my laptop in the fireplace and hoped the PDF burned with it. Where this fireplace come from? If you're more into Greg Stolze's urban fantasy work, uh, like Switch Flipped and You and Godwalker, um, then which is not at all impossible since most of our listeners are kind of this primarily from the UA fan base, then eh, give it a shot. It's not particularly expensive. I think for the Kickstarter, it's like what five bucks or something for the uh, ebook. Well, let, let's talk about that. Actually, it's a good point you bring up about the other books. This Kickstarter, by the time this comes out, there'll be less than a week left on the Kickstarter. It's yeah. at kickstarter.com slash project slash Greg Stolze slash god hyphen cancer we'll include the link in the uh description of the episode at the time of recording of this it's only got five thousand five hundred twenty seven yeah. of the ten thousand us dollar goal um so we need a few more helpers with this so some of our listeners should go in there and purchase this i am going to pledge before it runs out um, because there are some few even though i've got it for free also i'm looking at these uh supports and i would just pledge without a reward because he's got that thing that's always there when you just want to send Greg Stolze for some money for being beautiful, which is always a good option to have. I'm taking a look at those real nice line of cuts myself. Those things are sweet. They are pretty cool. For $5 or more, you can read the story in a variety of formats to read on your favorite device. I don't think you have a format for my favorite device, but it's good enough. The at-cost print option is $6, which is which is fine. Yeah. What, what's interesting to me is at higher pledge levels, which are fairly reasonably priced, you can get more ebooks from a selection of his uh, things. Like he's got here, The Sky is Full of Ghosts, which is 16 short stories, five of them mythos related, which I haven't read, which I'm probably going to get no, no, no. from this. You, a fiction, which is an Anonami's novel, which I read half of, but then you my was bag good. was stolen. You was very so good. It was really good until my bag got stolen with my copy in it. Yeah, so that, part it. Bu- that part of the book kind of sucked when it always steals the bag uh, containing the uh, reading, whatever reading device is being used for the book. God damn these curses. Uh, we've also got Thank You for Screaming. So if you five short stories. So if you want a book written and cursed by Greg Stolze himself, check out you. That's right. I've got Thank You for Screaming. 25 short stories with eight mythos stories inside. We've got Mask of the Other, which is what we were discussing before, which is very good, especially if you're interested in Delta Green stuff. It's a mythos story set in a world or in in a milieu which is like Delta Green, but not Delta Green, I believe. Yeah, it's kind of Delta Green with the serial numbers followed off. It's Delta Green without the baggage. That's what I think. Oh, no, there's still quite a lot of baggage in those stories. I mean, yes, but we can do whatever we want with it without worrying about the canon of Delta Green, which is good. There is Sinner, a superhero story, which I haven't read. And there is Scary Face, which is 15 short stories, two specifically about Delta Green, which I would like to pick up. You can get two of these for $8, three of these for $11, Tom, is this a review or an infomercial? It's an infomercial now. All right. Hey, I'm telling people what they can, they can get. All right, there's also patches and this shit, okay? <laughs> buy, buy, this, buy, buy this book. Buy Greg, this, give buy Greg your books. money. Give Greg your money. He needs a haircut. He hasn't had a haircut in like three months, judging from his Twitter account. He, he needs some help here, and we're trying to help hey, him man. out. You can get lots of his good fiction, some stories. You can get it printed. You can get it on your favorite device, and you can get a patch. You can even... I- I haven't play had a, a new game. Yes, yes. I haven't had a haircut in five years. You don't see me asking for people's money. Maybe you should kickstart your haircut. Yeah, maybe there's an idea. Maybe that's more Patreon, Carter. 
I don't know. Um, there was an option to play Delta Green with him for if you pledge $100 or greater, but that has already been uh, snatched up by five lucky backers. Yeah, $100 to play Delta Green with Greg. Um, I would do that if I had $100, but I don't. So, uh, I would do that. It, 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 yeah, if it wasn't sold out. Um, I've played with Greg before. I think both of us have, actually. He's a good GM. I haven't played with him yet, Greg. Yet. Anyway, we've got on here, pledge $100 or more. What's still available is Drunk Cops of Vindemir, which I don't know anything about, but it is next small weird role-playing game. I like the sound of it. It's it's a cop game run by Greg Stoles in probably some weird, it's, I don't know, some setting uh, where the drunk cops, imagine if, oh, I could buy this and then get drunk and play drunk cops with Greg. That would be funny. If I get $100 before this runs out... You can do that with any um, any game, technically. That's true. That's true. Anyway, people should give money to Greg. Greg should write more books and send them to us for free and then we'll review them and then buy them anyway. And then tell our listeners to give him money. That's that's sort of the exchange we have going on here. Yes, that should be the title of this episode. (laughs) Give Greg (laughs) Stoles your money. All right. Um, but the book, Thompson, what do you think about the book? I thought the book was good. I think the book is well worth the asking price of $5 for the yeah, PDF I'd or agree. $6 plus print costs. Well worth $5 plus the, you know, four odd hours of your time it takes to read through the thing. Dialogue is good. There, a lot of the stuff that is generally by the wayside in Lovecraft fiction is a lot better here than it normally is. If you are into... Unknown Armies for the urban fantasy. It still hits some good notes. You should check it out anyway. If you like Delta Green and similar stuff, you should definitely check it out. And if you like the Unknown Armies role-playing game for like the writing style, then this has that sort of thing in spades. That's exactly right. There is a fair few people under one of those descriptions that would enjoy this novel. Yeah. So they should get it. All right. Yeah. And I definitely recommend it too. Make sure to get to the Kickstarter before things run out. And with that, I think we're going to close out this review come infomercial. Tune in next time where we're going to be doing a review of something uh, a bit more directly related to Unknown Armies. Later, listeners. Good. Yep. Um, I, I do want to call it like give your money to Greg Stoltz. I think he would enjoy funny. that. If he, so here's the thing, right? Is he going to put this on the Kickstarter page or not? Because if he isn't, then I don't think we're going to get any converts by doing something that fucking blatant. I think it's blatant enough that it would be funny. Just call it that. Run. Here's my suggestion, man. Before you do the editing, run the idea by him first and ask what like sort of he wants because we just did the recording. And you can kind of edit around the creative constraints he gives you. No, it's a review. Okay. We don't oh, have no. to ask the... Yeah, we don't have to ask the... Are you off the fucking...